This is Podflix, episode 163. I'm Willie. I'm Paul. I'm Nish. <laughs> you like how I didn't give you much warning on that? We, we just go. Yeah, no, it was fine. I took my own time. <laughs> uh, guys, I got, I got rudders for my airplanes. <laughs> I, hear that's, I hear that's rough if you get that as an adult. Yes. <laughs> Yo, I got shingles last winter. It was it was not good. Uh, uh, no, I got rudders for my um for my flight simulator thing, and and I think now that I've got flight simulator things, and Paul, you've got um car simulator things. We, we have to figure out a simulator for Nish. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, so it can't be a flight simulator. And it can't be a car simulator. So you got so before we talk about what I might do, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the equipment that is needed. Or maybe not that's needed, but that you guys have for your car simulator and flight simulator, respectively. Oh, needed for me because I I basically just bought the controllers being like, that's cool. <laughs> yes, that's that is the definition of needed. It checks out. Uh, and then I saw I'm like, oh, the, this game looks awesome. And then I found out you need a Windows 10 computer to run this thing. And wait, wait, what, what game? What game? Tell people what game you're talking Microsoft about. Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, is it? Or whatever it is. The, the most recent version of Microsoft Flight Simulator. Okay. And yep. it can't just be like any old Windows computer. Like it needs some type of like crazy ass four or $500 video card all on its own. Yeah. It needs a big beefy boy. Yep. <laughs> So thick boy, <laughs> I've been called worse. <laughs> so you have, so you you have the the I've stick, the, you I've have the, the pedals, yeah. and what are you plugging uh, that into right now? The box. Because you don't have a computer, right? <laughs> it's just in the box. <laughs> I'm pot committed. <laughs> so so you. To be clear, have not played this flight simulator at all. You have just gotten everything for it and have been talking about it incessantly. I didn't even buy the game yet. I just bought the controllers. Imagine like finding out Xbox was coming out and be like, guys, I bought the controller for the new Xbox. So you're basically doing like imagination play. Like you're like you're like four year old with like the controls. Yeah, someday I'll <laughs> be able right. to play this game. All right, tell us about yep. your car simulator, Paul. So I actually have putting. I actually have a computer to do this. This is uh, actually what I call my quarantine hobby that I picked up. A very expensive hobby. I don't recommend it. Some people bake bread. Yeah, but I already knew how to do that. So right. <laughs> I did this instead. Um, so I have like a a, a steering wheel um, and pedals that I have on a stand connected to a computer with a big monitor that I run a racing simulator on, which is like not an arcade game. It's like a, you know, as true to life as they can make it racing game. Um, which How big is a computer monitor? I'm struggling to figure out, again, avoiding the fact that I don't have a computer. I'm like, oh, I should order a monitor. <laughs> Yeah, uh, actually, the computer is going to be the absolute last. The thing. last like, you're thing gonna, that you get, you're gonna, you're gonna get like a fucking like jumpsuit to like wear <laughs> and shit. 
I'll have a mouse, a keyboard, I'll have everything except for the computer. Um, the monitor that I got, I got one of those curved monitors, um, yeah. which was good for this, and it's um, 34 inches. Okay. So to answer your question, Ash, I believe a 34-inch monitor today in 2020 is going to be three, 400 bucks. All right. Uh, yeah, or triple that. Oh, really? <laughs> Son of a bitch. I mean, he, he did say it was a very expensive hobby. <laughs> I did say that. It's true. It's true. I did say and, that. And this is the approximate hobby you guys want to drag me into. Yeah, my, own, right. my own specialized simulator. <laughs> yep. Was, to be clear, I don't want us to be able to play together at all. We no, each need no. to have our own... <laughs> Are we are we going to start a second podcast where we each talk about our simulator experiences? Yeah, I think so. Do you know what people have been doing with Microsoft Flight Simulators? You can play online, and like the first day, everybody was flying to Jeffrey Epstein's island and landing their plane <laughs> on the island. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but it's a bunch of degenerates. It's it's mapped like on the real it's it's mapped on the real topography of the earth and it uses like this Bing map data. And there was famously when it first came out, there was like this weird monolith in Australia and nobody could figure out what it was. Like this huge black square like flying up way up into the sky. And basically they found out on the original map data somebody put the wrong decimal point in. So instead of being like you know, 1,200 feet tall. It was 12,000 feet tall and it was like, you know, perfectly rendered. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently there's all kinds of like crazy stuff like that that you can find just kind of flying around, which does seem like a lot of fun, I have to say. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so Nish, I think you should really get into the world of farm simulator and heavy equipment. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm thinking like the Thresher, the Combine. I can't name a a third. I can't name a third big heavy farm equipment thing. I don't know what a thresher is. Is that the thing that gathers the wheat? Yes. I think it, it cuts it down, right? It cuts it down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I they guess you do have it. like a, a... Does the combine pick it up after you cut it down? Is that the next thing you roll over it? Come on, Nish. You're into farm simulators. What is it? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> this is why I need to get into farm simulators. Yeah. So I, I can a, answer all of these farming questions. We have you. important questions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, instead of Googling this... You are going to get your friend to plug down <laughs> thousands of dollars, play the farm simulator, and then I can answer your question. Yep, that's Which, pretty much the long and short of it. It's, it's like, all right, five thousand dollars later, and hours and hours on this on this software. Here's what a thresher does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, it occurs to me that we're what fifteen minutes into this podcast and haven't like let anybody know what we watched this week. Oh, well, okay. it's, it's 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 right there on the title of the uh, show, right? Anybody yep. who clicked on it sees what we've watched. But go ahead, tell them. We watched twenty twenties. Mm-hmm. It's tough to know what date this actually came out because it, it really danced around quite a bit. Yes, but it um, did come out in twenty twenty in the end. Twenty twenties inception. Um, Wait, what? Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, tenants. <laughs> <laughs> just don't on me i've never seen inception um you've never what? seen inception you've never seen inception i'm not into mindfuck movies like that no, we... uh 2020's tenet um you wanna 
Explain wait, what wait. happened in this hold, movie. Hold on, hold on. Before we do that, I, I I would like to briefly talk about Christopher Nolan in general. Okay. Uh, because um, I so the reason I want to say this is because I think um, what I say now and what I say later will be interesting. Um, I think Christopher Nolan basically is by and large someone who takes a common sci-fi idea and does an above average implementation of it and i think he's generally way too highly rated for what he does like i i will say like of all the things i've seen of him which is almost everything um i mean i i liked memento quite a lot and i conception quite a lot i think interstellar is pretty bad and um and don't really like it that much. And I actually think the Batman movies don't hold up super well um, in retrospect. So um, coming into this, I was pretty lukewarm on Christopher Nolan in general. Like I was not someone who's primed to really love this movie or, you know, I'm not someone who rushes out like, Ooh, the new Christopher Nolan movies in theaters. Um, So that's going into this movie. That was generally my, my mindset around this. All right. And and just to give my mindset on where I'm coming from, um, I don't think that Christopher Nolan is like the greatest filmmaker in the world or anything. However, I he he makes movies I like a lot, period. Like we a long time ago did our like top uh, 25 movies each and we counted them down and there were three Christopher Nolan movies in my top 25. And that was before The Dark Knight came out, which is definitely in my top 25 as well. So, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of with you. Um, I think every Christopher Nolan movie I had seen up to this point, I really liked. All of them. Yeah. So so we're all coming from. Well, I guess I guess Willie and I are coming from similar places. Paul, a little different, which is good to know, because everyone has an opinion, I would say, on Christopher Nolan, even if they even people who don't know that Christopher Nolan made the movies, they know those movies, and you usually have an opinion on his movies. Yeah, because he, more than most people, like, his movies feel very similar to each other. Yes. I think. Yeah. In, like, so, a, in like a David Fincher kind of way, or... Yeah, like, no, no, I agree. There's, like, a... There's a bit of a theme, always, of sorts, usually, anyway, and there's also, like, there are common elements... Michael Caine, for instance. And, uh, <laughs> he was great in Memento. You <laughs> loved him in Memento. He was uh, he was he the was, Memento. Yeah. Well, they they de-aged him into uh, Joey Pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I start by saying um, before I ask Nish to explain this movie, like I think I'm a reasonably intelligent human being, and I really like sci-fi movies and. I think I have the broad concept of this movie, but if you asked me to really do like a synopsis, couldn't do it. Like I, I really don't know what happened in this movie. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, am, I, I am not like, going to do a synopsis because that would be just a fool's errand. It would take too long for one thing, and I'm not like, sure I would get it all right. Let's just start with it's like it's a bit of a time travel. Can can you try and wrap your somebody explain um, the way he tackles time travel in this movie. And then we should talk about what, what, how all that was like implemented and how it worked. Right. I I, I still don't don't understand this inverse thing super well. Right. It it is most definitely a time travel movie in its own way. Like there is, 
things and people are traveling through time just in a different way than what how time travel works in most most movies. Um, Paul, why don't you go over the time travel? Sure. Uh, how so it works here. The, the basic premise of the movie is that there's a machine that you can put stuff or people into. And when they come out, they are traveling backwards in time instead of forwards at the same rate. So, you know, a long time ago for this movie, um, um, spoilers for Primer, we watch Primer. Primer is a movie where you go back in time by getting into a box and you go back in time at the rate of one minute per minute. Like you go back in time in real time. If you want to go back a week, you have to sit in the box for a week. The basic premise of Inception, I did it now. The basic premise of Tenet is imagine Primer, but but when you got out of the box, you were still going backwards in time. You had to get back in the box and then turn around. And so it's like basically a U-turn box, right? You got in the box, now you're going backwards and you can get out of the box and do stuff. You are just traveling in the reverse order of time. Um, So... So, right, so what I don't understand is when you get back in the box and you reverse the order again, do you go back to where you exactly left off? No, or like no, you you it, it's a U turn. So it's like if you if you go if you go through the U turn box, it's it's a turn. It's called a turn style in the film. If you go yeah. through a turn style and you go and you are now going backwards in time, and right. you are going backwards in time for a week, as they do actually in the film. Um, and then you take another turnstile. You will now be going forwards in time, but it'll but it'll now be a week ago, and and you'll right. be going back forwards in time. Which which once I figured that out was interesting to think just how uh, geez, old some of it, like these people like could could get going, you know, because they're living, you know, it's you know, in a, in a way, it's the same thing in Primer, where it's like they're they're not they're they're much older depending on how long they've been going backwards and forwards and all kinds of stuff, right. Yeah, which is why I was calling it the U-turn box. Like a real U-turn on a street, when you make the U-turn and then you make another one, you're not back where you started. You're back at the point where you made the U-turn. The U-turn, right. You're just um, going in the other other so direction. You, right. You could, in theory, just keep bouncing back and forth between the same week, right? Right. And and just live a, do a week forward, do a week inverted, do a week forward, do a week inverted. And live your um, whole life. And, and yeah. you would just, yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the premise is... And, and, the basic premise is this technology is coming from the future. The future is trying to destroy the past for some reason. And these guys, um, the, the main characters, the protagonist, is um, trying to stop. He's trying to fight the future in X-Files parlance. Um, and um, yeah, and then it's then a lot of crazy shit happens. Like, as Nish said, it would actually be detrimental to try to go into kind of more detail than that. Uh, but that's the basic that's the basic premise of the movie. All right. We should start with the things that I think he got really right. His visual effects are unreal in this movie. I, again, I've not seen Inception. I understand there's some pretty stunning and cool things. But the way he implemented this um, things moving forward and things moving backward at the same time, I, I'd never seen done on film before. That that was like really super cool. What, what did you think overall of cinematography and then we definitely have to talk about music too. I thought, uh, sorry, you go first, Paul. No, I, th- I I thought it was shot really well. I think it looked really good. I think um, one of the issues I have with this is one of those movies where they're like, oh, we did it all practically and there's no visual effects. And it's like, mm, okay, well, somebody erased all those wires and, and like, like did all that shit. Like there's a lot of special effects in this movie. Um, but that being said, everything looks really great. The backward stuff looks like you're right the backwards the inverted stuff is what the movie calls it um it looks really it looks really good um 
And the best compliment I can give it is like, it looks like it's running backwards, which sounds pretty simple, but actually is not because again, the whole movie's not going backwards. Just one object person thing on screen is going backwards and everything else is going forwards. So it, it looks, I mean, it looks seamless to my eyes. It looked, it looked great. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was going to say like, there were parts of this movie, um, especially like probably the first two thirds where, you know, I was a little bit at sea at times. And I think there's an expectation to some extent that you don't quite know what's going on fully. But even when that was happening, it was so it was so good to look at at times that yeah. that, that kind of carried me through. Um, and that's something that Christopher Nolan has. He wasn't always great at that, but he's gotten very, very good at it. I would say in the last 10 years or so is he just he puts out very good looking movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, again, looked very Christopher Nolan-esque, but absolutely. That's, but now that's a look that looks very good. Yeah. And the music, you were you were about to say the music. So I was interested to see who did this music because it didn't sound like Hans Zimmer. Um, and it's it's Ludwig Goranson who did the he does the Mandalorian soundtrack mm. and did Black Panther uh, and won an Oscar for that. So yeah, the music was very cool. I, I, I like the music and I feel like it added very it, it had a very specific sound to it. I do think you don't I don't know. I would love for you I'd love to know how far into the movie before you guys figured out like how this was all working and what was going on. And I really had a tough time figuring out where, what was time traveling and what was not and what had happened before. And regardless, I mean, all the, th- all the things you look for, like in a time travel movie. So going back to our midnight sky um, conversation, like I, I don't do that. I don't try to figure out what's going on. So like there was like Nish alluded to earlier, like I was, I think I will, I'll describe it as appropriately <clears throat> lost for parts of this movie because you're not supposed to have the whole parts of the puzzle. However, as new concepts got introduced, they did, it did click in my head. I went, Oh, okay, that makes sense. Now I understand this part of the puzzle and then more. And then, you know, there's stuff that they could explain more that they don't, but I think they give you enough clues that like the parts you don't know about don't really matter. Um, That like I, I was able to put it together as I went along and, for me, that was that was satisfying. Yeah, I, 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 was I kind of agree. Like, like I wasn't trying to figure out exactly what was happening with everything, but I think maybe Willie, what you were getting at more was just trying to figure out the mechanics of like how the world worked, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like it was like I felt like it, they were they intentionally withheld a lot of information until probably about an hour to go. Like, um, you and I pulling back the curtain a second, Willie, you and I both watched the first hour and a half of this yesterday and finished the last hour today. And Paul had watched the whole thing and mentioned to us that the last hour may explain a fair amount. And I felt that way. I felt like from the moment I started was basically where they started, like putting down some real information. Like, I think it's where they explained how the turnstile worked in detail, like right at that point. And from that point on, it felt like things really clicked into place for me in a way that they didn't up, up to that part. And I agree with you, Paul, that it's like that that's intentional. And I feel like they're trying to kind of make you feel somewhat disoriented. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I did feel like I wished that they could have given a little more of a tutorial on some of the things early on. I know it wasn't the intention, but I still didn't like feeling as disoriented as I did through the mm-hmm. early part of the movie, because I felt like there wasn't a whole lot to hang your hat on. Like, I guess. 
it it's hard not to compare it to Inception in that particular way, where it's like, you know, it, it, like Inception, this is a uh, a movie which is you know pretty much uh, I think is like not based off of existing intellectual property. Like this is just something he came up with, more or less. I think I, I could be wrong. Um, and like with Inception, he, you know, he explains the logic of the dream world and how everything works, you know, in, in the opening hour or so using an, you know, using a character or sort of an audience surrogate. And that's done a little ham fistedly in, in, in Inception, to be honest. I wish it hadn't been done quite that way, but I did like that they kind of took you through how that worked. And in doing so, like those are actually some pretty memorable scenes in Inception, even even in the early parts. In this, it was like it's hard to feel like the early parts of the movie are all that memorable to me, especially since we revisit them pretty much all later, with the exception mm-hmm. of the opening scene. Like we re- revisit all of it later, and it all makes more sense later. And so that's really the only part I remember is like what happens at the end, like the la- the back half of the movie, where it's like oh oh okay, like over and over, you're like oh right okay. Like, I get that. I get that. You know, the 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 movie, you know, the plot basically circles on, on itself completely, right. which is cool. I mean, one of the things I always look for in a time travel movie, which, like I said, this is sort of a time travel movie, is like you always with most time travel movies, you're looking for that moment where plot holes kind of fill themselves in through the logic of the time travel. Like that, that's one of the pleasures usually of watching a time travel movie is like understanding how something happened in the beginning through a lot of times the character's own actions or things like that. And that definitely happens in this movie and it's quite edifying when it does. It's like, Oh, like this makes so much sense now, or at least more sense than it did at the very least. But like, I did feel a little more disoriented than I wanted to for the, for, for a while in the movie. It's interesting because I was actually enjoying that feeling because I feel like it's not a feeling. I feel like that's what Christopher Nolan often wants the audience to feel. And I feel like I rarely feel that way at a Christopher Nolan movie. That's fair. So to, so to actually to have the effect working on me for this movie, I, I was like, oh, OK, I, I see what he's going for here. And and I dug it right. Like in a way, for instance, to compare it to like Interstellar, it was like that movie I felt like in like the first like 10 minutes, I was like, okay, I got it. And it's like, now we're going to show you an excruciating detail. Like what's going on. It's like, yeah, I, I got it. Like, it's not actually that hard to understand. Like I got it. And in a way like this movie is like, was withholding enough and was a more original idea. Like it, they, it, it had a more original twist on an idea than some of his other stuff. Like even inception, which I think is a pretty, um, standard concepts executed ab- above average in an above average way um, and enjoyable. Um, yeah. This actually, like, like I can't think of a time like I, I saw a concept like this or an idea like this. Um, so, so I actually was enjoying feeling that way. And and like you, I like the moments where things click together. And this, I've only seen it. I've seen it once, and this is a movie I intend to watch again soon because I feel like it will benefit greatly from having the knowledge of what happens later and watching the movie. And, and I think there's a lot of things that you get to see pay off and you'll appreciate them in a different light, which I frankly like doing. (laughs) I do agree with that because I mean, you know, you, you find out, you know, in the end there's stuff that happens that harkens back to the opening scene that you would never have like remembered. And they don't flash back to it later in the movie, the way a lot of movies would, 
And I kind of appreciate that, but it does make me want to go back and, and watch it from the beginning, which is basically, uh, um, yeah, we, we always spoil shit when we talk about this kind of thing. So, yep. you know, but, but this is definitely, if, if people are planning on watching this movie, like you should watch it before, you know, being spoiled about it. Cause it's, it's fun to watch, um, without being spoiled. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the, the reveal towards the end of the movie through like that little tassel or whatever, hanging off of, uh, um, fuck is his name again neil neil yeah i want to say niles and i was like that's not it (laughs) (laughs) yeah off neil's backpack that reveals that he's the guy who saved um the protagonist at the very beginning of the movie in the opera house yep um with the inverted bullet um but yeah but but and and most movies would flash back to an image to like a quick shot of that happening right um, or you like they do not It'd be like the same shot, but you'd see his face now where you didn't see it before. Oh, or something. yeah, that would, like, that would, yeah, that would be, yeah, that's the, the way, way more standard it. way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, but, 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 but one thing I will say, sorry, I, I know I've been talking for a while, but, um, even when, even like when I was disoriented in the beginning and maybe more than I wanted to be, I would say one thing that carried me through pretty well was John David Washington, who I thought was yeah. really, really good. I, I really liked him, uh, in this movie as, as the protagonist. He's good in everything. I've I've loved everything, even his like kind of goofiest role in Ballers. Like I love him. I think he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, yeah. I had not seen him in too much because I haven't seen Black Klansman. Um, he's great in that too. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was it was weird to me how every once in a while he would do a line reading that it was like so Denzel, where it was like, oh, clearly, oh yeah, like you're you're so Denzel's kid. Yeah. yeah. But his, like his, I mean, he was effectively playing James Bond in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right down to like, he's got the fancy suits and he's a super spy and, you know, um, but he's, but he's not, right? He's not like a master of seduction. He's not super familiar with like high class, but he's very charming. Yes. Um, and, um, and full of confidence and like he's got swagger and, um, you know, it makes it super entertaining to watch, I think, for sure. Um, I especially like liked the relationship between him and Neil, you know, Robert Pattinson, like, I, like to the point now, maybe I'm the only one, but I was like, man, like these two have serious chemistry together. I was like, like, like if there's not a romantic relationship there explicit, like it is implied, like, I don't know, like maybe that's something they just brought to the characters is not actually there, but like, man, I was, I was rooting for those two to get together <laughs> during this movie because there's the, the the female lead um, whose name is currently escaping me. Um, uh, uh, Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah, um, and I, I forget her character's name. Uh, but Cat um, Catherine. Cat. Yeah, that relationship didn't feel romantic to me between the no, protagonist no. and Cat. Like it felt. No. Um, it, it felt it felt platonic and more protective. Yeah. I would say to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was getting the sparks from the protagonist, Neil, for sure, in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So so Christopher Nolan was pretty picky about the release of this movie. Um, he really wanted this to be in theaters, did not want it to be straight to VOD. As I'm watching it, I, I, look, I think there was a, we've talked about a lot of positive things. I think it was unnecessarily complicated in the beginning, like just sit 90 minutes and just really appreciate good acting and and good videography. And frankly, what kept me really enthralled in this movie was the sound, but I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Number one, and number two, and that's a long time to watch. 
without at least a hint. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe he was right because I had a lot of shit going on around me and like bells ring, phones going off, kids doing something, dog barking, whatever. It's possible that being in a theater where you're forced to pay attention, you'd understand it. And I think him making it, well, I, I feel he was made this movie unnecessarily complicated and I think it suffered by not being on the big screen. I can see that. I mean, I think in like he is a big, you know, sound guy. Um, yeah. And like, I'll admit, like the environment that I had to watch the movie in, which was everyone else in the house was asleep. Like because of the difference between the quiet parts and the loud parts, I had to keep it at a volume where I had to keep the subtitles on. Um, me, me too. <laughs> um, so, you know, I probably didn't get to enjoy it at the same level, but I did. I, I think you're right insofar as like I did also watch it late in the evening, like there weren't a lot of other distractions going on. And I think that would have more than most movies that would have greatly detracted from this movie. Um, that being said, I also think like, yeah, it's a movie that would have benefited from being in the theaters, but also Chris, we live in the world we live in. And like you, you push something that like, just, I'm sorry that the timing didn't work out for you, but right. Just read the writing on the wall. Like the timing didn't work out for you. And I think it's clear that like that in, in, in hindsight, like, if it had worked out, that would have been great, but it didn't work out. And I think it was clearly a mistake. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It was a mistake. They should have done done what they've, you know, now are doing with other movies. And, you know, that seems to be working out fine. Like, you know, it, it's not going to make the same amount of money exactly, but that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I understand why he would have wanted it to be. I mean, his his movies are, you know, he he makes his movies generally to be seen on a large screen in terms of the sound and the cinematography. Like that is what he, you know, that that's kind of what he's playing to basically more than a lot of other uh, filmmakers nowadays. I should ask what, once you've figured out what was going on and you, Paul, you said a lot of shit gets explained to you in the last hour of the movie. Like, do you have one or two moments each each of you guys that were like, "Oh shit, that's cool"? Now that I see it in reverse, um, I mean, the, the obvious thing is the fight scene in the yeah. in the what's it called, Freeport? In the Freeport, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely check, like, I definitely like noted in my head that there was something going on there between like the look that Neil gave the off screen person in, right. in the beginning, like when he. It's him that there was something there, and the way he keeps him from shooting the other uh, the other person who right. know, which which at the himself. time which at the time made me think is Neil a bad guy like right is, is that is he about to because it, he clearly like obviously right he knew more than he was letting on kind right. of a thing um, right. um, the the one thing it's weird it's a, it's a dumb tiny little thing but the thing that the thing that I was not expecting to pay off that did was. Um, Early in the movie, Kat mentioned she goes back to the yacht and a woman is diving off, you know, she presumes to get to not be discovered having an affair with her husband. Um, and she says she envies her and her freedom. Um, mm. And that ends up being her, like she loops back and that ends up being her having just killed her husband and, and um, being free you know, escape, <laughs> and, and escaping. And yeah. Dragging yeah. his ass off on a boat behind her like yeah. a water ski. Yeah, which was, I don't know <laughs> why they did that exactly, but which I do have a major question about the plot that maybe you guys can answer for me. But um, that paid off not just from like a time travel plot thing, but it even, like as you, as you just said, like it even works thematically. Like that is 
a version of her that's free now. And, right. she, and then she's right to envy that person. Like, which I, that payoff to me, like I said, I was totally not expecting that to come back at all. So. Right. Yeah. No, me, me neither. And, and it was shot well to evoke that and to make you realize it's like, oh yeah, that. Yeah. I, I agree. Those were the two parts probably that, that kind of came together the best for me when once, you know, they were kind of interacting with their other selves. Uh, um, what is your take on this bad guy who's essentially motivated by if I can't have the world, you can't have the world. So let me blow up the entire world. Like the felt really forced and hammy to me, but what did you guys think? It was definitely to me, like you mentioned how, um, you mentioned how, uh, um, uh, John David Washington. I could not remember his name for a second. Um, <laughs> we are bad at names tonight. <laughs> I know, I know how how John David Washington is basically playing James Bond in this movie. Um, and I think, I mean, this whole movie feels. I mean, not the time stuff, obviously, but a lot of it feels like Chris Nolan's riff on 007. And I feel like you know that is that it, he is such a Bond villain. Like like that is exactly how he's drawn Kenneth Branagh's character. Is, yeah, I, is just total Bond villain. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Like, I think it's... I, I, I think they earn it in a weird way insofar as, like, basically it's like, well, why hasn't someone just killed this dude? And it's like, well, here's a very good reason why you can't just, like, shoot this guy dead where he, where he stands, right? Right. Um, and for him to be, like, the kind of nihilist who's just like, yeah, and then I'll be dead and I don't really give a shit. Like, Wait, I don't understand why they can't kill him. Because he has a he has a dead kept, man switch. He kept checking his Fitbit on his wrist, mm. and the reason they kept bringing that up was basically like if his heart stops, if that thing detects his heart stops, um, it sets off the algorithm at that point. Um, so and basically, they, and basically destroys the world. Yeah. Okay. By some, it destroys the world by nuclear force or by some type of weird. That is that is that is a very travelly shit yes. that we are like. It make some, no, it's made some no kind sense of time travelly. That is very much a MacGuffin. The the algorithm, like it's one of those things where it's like all you need to know is what it does. You don't think about like how it does it because you're not meant to know. Like it's it's kind of you know yeah. kind of tech techno babbled away more or less uh, as yeah. to like how it works. I mean, I took it as like it, it it will turn all time backwards, like on the planet, basically, um, which I imagine like fucks things up in like six different. Like suffice it to say, like that doesn't blow up the world, but it probably like screws things up in a lot of different ways. Well, Benjamin for one button, thing, like everyone Benjamin button there. Well, for one thing, like everyone would immediately suffocate, right? Didn't or I guess the air would turn back too. I don't know, um, but it would fuck things up pretty badly, I guess. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's basically basically what is said, more or less, is that it would fuck things up majorly. Have you guys um, did you guys look up by any chance after this movie was over um, or, or had you heard of a Seder Square? No. I didn't. I looked I, I did stumble across it afterwards, but going yeah, into it, I had no idea it. what it was. Yeah, I I had I knew about it, but didn't connect it even though I should have I mean, the guy's fucking named Seder, but like, um, yeah, it, this is basically, um, Willie, it's, it's a, how do you say this? It's, it's like an ancient, like, like it comes from the ancient world and it's sort of this square that was, it was 
kind of like a religious artifact. It's been seen a lot of different places of basically it's like a five by five square of letters that spell out these words and it spells it, you know, going left to right and also up and down the same five words. And the words are Seder, which is Andre Seder's last name, Seder backwards at the bottom, which is Rotas, which is the name of the security company that they use. Um, Arepo, which is the name of the forger backwards is opera, which is the setting of the first scene of tenant. And then the middle is tenant, which is a palindrome backwards and forwards and, you know, and up and down. Who do you think Arepo was? I think he was just a dude. I don't, I don't, (laughs) he's just a way to get the name in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. That's that, that's, I I don't think he had actually was any like future guy or anything setting, Mm. I, I didn't see anything to indicate that he was someone who was setting events in motion in some way. Other no, than, I mean, yeah, I don't think so either. I think they legit just needed a way for for um, Sager to have hold over his wife, right? And like this is like what they came up with, right? She, she as a someone with a with a big reputation in the art world, let her emotions get the better of her and made a huge mistake, and now like she can't let that mistake get out effectively. Like she, you know. I don't know. She said she'd go to prison. I guess she participated in her forgery. I don't know what, you know, exactly the consequences would be, but suffice it to say, she would believe they would be bad enough that she couldn't cross him. Yeah. I also watched this with uh, subtitles on Paul. And for the first, again, 80, 90 minutes of the movie, I'm like, man. They're so lazy with these subtitles. They don't even get. They don't even put on John David Washington's <laughs> character's name. You just keep calling him the protagonist, and then it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, nobody else has said his name either. Yeah, I mean, he says three or four times, "I'm the protagonist," right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a I have a plot question for you guys, which like puzzling it all out after I watched it, I could kind of I could fit everything together, like um, why it all happened. But the one thing I couldn't do. The one thing I couldn't puzzle out, and maybe I missed it, maybe I'll get it a second time through, but the movie ends The movie ends before it begins, right? Um, the movie ends like a few days before it, before it starts. Um, right. Because it, it ends on the yacht, and, and when, the, when the movie starts, they've already left the yacht and stuff. Right. Um, and Neil makes a big deal throughout the whole movie that, like, I don't know what would happen if you changed things that have already happened. But don't right. do it, basically, right. because we right. have no idea what will happen. The whole what's happened's happened. Yeah. That they say a bunch of times. But in the beginning of the movie, he survives the yacht, that Seder survives the yacht and has the rest of the movie. And and then they kill, they don't kill the time travel. They don't kill like a time, an inverted version of him that went back. They killed the original Seder on the boat, right? So they changed what the happened. The original, I mean, my understanding how do I say this? The original Seder is the, like, there's only one Seder, right? Like, the, the original right. Seder is, like, the Seder who was on the boat, but he's also the Seder who's lived through the entire movie already and gone back in time to be oh, so on he, the boat. Oh, so he did he did invert and go back? I think so, yeah, because he is having that conversation at the end on the phone with the protagonist about how, like, you, like, you know... Like, 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 like basically like saying like, I know you're there and like, I, he doesn't say it this way, but like, he's basically like, I know you're there and like, you're going to die now. And you know, like you're, you're trapped 
And like, you know, he's on the boat with his wife, not knowing that the wife is actually the wife who's been through everything already and also come back. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, he can't know any of that unless he's already met the protagonist and been through all of that with the protagonist. Like he references all of the things like even the protagonist even says at the one point when he says like I'll give your love to my wife and he says you forgot he like she hasn't met me yet and he says and he's like that's right like you know so so like I feel oh, like he you're had, right yeah like he has gone back in time at that point so basically okay so uh, so that means the, the version of him that flew off on the helicopter has the rest of the movie and the version that came back and landed is the version that's already been through the whole movie right that's that's where the switch happens, so to speak. Okay. Okay. I think. Yeah. All right. That's that was the one thing like that 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 eluded me, but yep, that's right. a good explanation. Right. And it makes so, sense because she went off in the boat. So right. it's not like she would know like 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 whatever they're doing there, it's like it's the first time they've done it. Like like he wasn't there and she wasn't there. Right, right. On totally. The boat there. Yeah. yeah. That tracks. Okay. Which explains so why they had to take the body, right? Like because there's two of them now in that time frame. Yes, that makes sense. I, I didn't really think about that, but that that is why. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing so they don't pay off. Sorry, the, the last thing. The one thing they 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 check off gun and then don't pay off is um, they say you know you can't come in contact with yourself because you'd be annihilated. Right. Um, and I was and that, waiting for that, that to happen in some way, shape, or form, and it doesn't happen at all. Mm. Right. I guess maybe it's like, yeah, I was waiting for that as well, but I guess they just do it to establish a rule of like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you like talk to yourself and like say something or like, you know, and I guess the idea is that like, because of the possibility that you might accidentally, any particle of yours might come into contact. All right. So he took a U-turn, he went back in time. And then eventually he took another U-turn so he could go forward because he, he wasn't wearing a mask on that scene on the boat. Right. So he was, you, you only need to be wearing the mask when you're inverted. Right. Uh, once, you, once you're going forward again, you can, you can breathe again. Basically, the premise is like when you're inverted, you can't breathe the inverted air for some stupid reason. So you have to bring air with you that's also inverted so you can breathe it. So wait, something, sorry. So something just occurred to me then and, and yep. that I hadn't thought about. So is it is are they just extremely lucky at the end fight at the Freeport or the beginning fight, if you wish? He is fighting himself, an inverted version of himself. Yeah. But he's got the suit on that he's that Right. Said, so 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 they're just saying like like that'll ensure Yeah, because yeah, he says like you need to put this suit on and he's like, There's no time, but he's like, But if you don't put the suit on, you can't you you might come in contact with yourself and you won't have protection. He's like, That we're just gonna have to risk that. Um, but and then, then he doesn't. <laughs> well, no, but then when he does, that's that's when he goes out and and does the highway thing and crashes the car. Oh, right, 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 right. Then they do and the then, week long then, inversion, yeah. right? And and then he does have the full suit on. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Fair enough. All what wrapped else? up in a nice little bow. <laughs> <laughs> a neat little package. Um. Would you watch it again? Sounds like Paul, yes. Nish, would you watch it again? Yes, I would watch it again. I will say, um, so one other thing, um, I, I, this maybe foreshadows a grade of sorts, but it's like, I I liked this movie quite a bit once I got to it. And like I said, I'm kind of a sucker for Nolan movies. So like, you know, this, this played to me once I figured out what was going on. I feel like 
most of Nolan's movies, not every single one, but mm, a good three quarters of them have a puzzle quality to them, right? Like there is something going on and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Like Memento obviously has that inception, the prestige, um, you know, interstellar, even Dunkirk to an extent has, has that going on. Um, And this obviously has that. I do feel like what keeps this to me from being like one of his like really great movies to, you know, and obviously we can feel differently. Paul, obviously I know feels differently because he mentioned how he feels about the other movies, but I do feel like it's like, it is a puzzle to be solved, but I don't feel like there's anything more like Memento, which is one of my favorite movies ever is a puzzle to be solved. But once you solve that puzzle, the realization of who that man is and what he's done and what his life is, is like, like I watched that movie like so many times and like get something more out of it every time. And, and some of it is just so much of like what that character is going through. I feel like all the characters in this movie are almost like ciphers to me. Like, like it's like they, like you don't know all that much about them. Like, I have no idea what makes this dude tick. Like the the, the you don't even know his name, right? And 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 that's okay. Like I, that, I think obviously intentional. Like I don't think they're trying to give you like an inner thing to him, but it does make it a little hard to like hook onto that. You know, like like you know like. There are people, and I guess what I mean, I liked it fine because I don't need that in every film, but I know there are people who like do need some kind of like emotional hook. And this movie definitely does not have an emotional hook in in my opinion. I think they try to do it a little bit with the, uh, the cat character, um, with, with her son and all that, like a little bit, but like not, not really. And she's not the person who you're like really invested in, um, the, you know, in the movie. So that is one thing I would say. It didn't really bother me, but I could totally understand it bothering other people. And, and his other movies, I think a lot of them do have that even, you know, inception again, which is a very like puzzly trick movie still has that undercurrent of the main character's relationship with his, with his wife, basically that kind of underpins a lot of what is going on and, and comes into play with, with the plot in, in some major ways. So so that is one thing that I would kind of say about this movie. Fair. Totally fair. Yep. What about putting some grades on this? Sure. I want to start with Paul. Okay. So so now we get to the reason I set up my feelings about Christopher Nolan, which is to say, like, I was predisposed to not love this movie. Um, and, and I liked it. Um, I liked it more than I thought it would, you know, before having seen it, I knew the reviews a lot were negative. I know there was a lot of like, what the hell happens in this movie kind of thing. So I was kind of, my expectations were pretty low, which maybe helped. Um, but, but no, I, I, I liked it. I liked, you know, the, the, the puzzle worked on me and, um, and yeah. And, and I ended up enjoying, enjoying it. I enjoyed all the performances. It looked, I thought it looked good. Um, and I think in the end, like I will probably watch this movie. Uh, I'll probably watch this movie one more time um, in the near future um, to see what else I can get out of it. And I don't know if I'll see it again after that. Um, it's not. I don't. Uh, Niche is right. It's not a movie like Memento, like a movie I've probably seen six times. Um, but you know, it's it's it was good. I liked it. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it three and a half stars. Well, okay. Nish. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I talked a fair amount about kind of what I felt about it. Um, 
no shame to say it's no memento, um, which if, if I remember correctly on that list that I've not mentioned before was like number two or three on my list, I think of, of my favorite movies. Um, but you know, it, it, I, I it's interesting. Cause I mentioned at the beginning after Paul talked, um, that I was a huge Nolan fan, but this was a movie I approached with some trepidation because of what you said, Paul, that, that some of the review, I, I think overall it was reviewed quite well. But some specific reviews really kind of were like, oh, he's gone off the rails. Like he's like really far up his own ass on this one. Um, And so it was kind of like, oh, okay, like this is going to be one of these like "Mm," like it just puzzly for puzzle's sake. And as I just mentioned, I do feel like there is a little bit of that, but I didn't really mind. Like I, I did feel like it felt satisfying to me once it came together. Um, It's really gorgeous to look at, I think. And um. And I liked the acting in it, you know, that, and that carried me through. And and I do feel like it had enough of what is going on. I want to find out what's going on um, to carry me through. It's a long movie. It's two and a half hours. I mean, it's an average Nolan movie. Let's let's face it, two and a half hours. <laughs> um, but um, I did feel like, you know, even though I had to watch it in two sittings, that was because I was watching it at like two in the morning or something yesterday. Um, and at some point I just had to go to sleep. Um, I didn't feel it didn't feel to me like it's like man i've just been watching this forever it, like it it moved along as you know these movies do it had good action set pieces um i am also going to give it three and a half okay i'll be the low bar here um i'll start by just giving a grade it's a two out of five for me um there's a lot to like in this movie even when you don't know what the hell is going on <laughs> That's basically the best way I can describe it is um, fundamentally, I think Chris Nolan knows how to make a great movie. I think in this movie, I came out of it going, man, I really wish I I watched Memento, number one. Number two, I just think he made it unnecessarily complicated and it was really kind of, it comes across as really fucking pompous. Like it, it, it was... I understand the idea of making things a mystery and telling complex stories, but just because you're telling a complex story doesn't mean you need to make it so complex that a lot of viewers don't even understand what happens. And then people like me have to go fetch that information from folks like you guys. And now I got to throw another two and a half hours of my life into this thing to see if I appreciate the movie. Like, no fucking way. It's not happening. So this isn't garbage. Like, again, there was a lot of really cool things probably worth seeing. I hope you get it the first time. Or maybe he needs to release a Cliff Notes, you know, ahead of time. So you at least. By the way, I watched it. I'm a sci-fi dork. Didn't understand the concept of the U-turn till you guys explained. Now a lot more makes sense to me. But it made it pretty unenjoyable for two and a half hours to be like, I get it. Things go in reverse. But like, what? I don't I don't get it. I don't get how it all stitches together. So it's a two. Yeah. I mean, me. I yeah. think that's it's fair. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, imagine watching it and not knowing how all this stitched together. No, totally. Like, I, I think it's a very fair criticism. I mean, I mean, one thing I would say is um, Christopher Nolan, you know, he makes this very you know, cerebral sort of like popcorn entertainment. Like it's not the craziest mind blowing thing you like you've ever seen, but for a huge blockbuster, it is pretty like, like you don't see blockbusters that have those kinds of things going on all that much. 
if you're just talking about any sci-fi movie, like, no, like, like Paul said, like there are plenty of movies that have like crazier things going on or more like, you know, like, like do more like going on than, than his movies. I'm not talking about Tenet in particular, but his movies do. But what his movies have going for them is that he makes it fairly palatable. Like it's quite impressive that he's able to take some of these concepts and make them into huge blockbusters that like the average person is going and seeing and loving. And I do feel like I don't want to one, I don't want to make it sound like people are stupid and I'm not definitely not lumping you in that category, Willie, by any means. Um, But I do feel like I wonder, like people didn't go out and see this, but if people had, if we hadn't had a pandemic, I do wonder how many people would have been walking out of it like you being like, why wouldn't they just explain some of this shit? Like, so I think, so here's here's my theory on this. I, I think it's, I think it's less, I think there would have been less confusion in the movie theater. And the reason I think that is thinking about the movie, it explains everything, but only just enough so that if, if, if like, you know, someone walks through the room or like your phone buzzes or whatever, like you could easily, anyone could easily miss a key line and that's it. Like you're going to get, you're going to get something explained to you in one sentence of dialogue. And if you miss it, forget it. You are not getting that, that information again in any other way, shape or form. So in that sense, I think it would have being in the theater of having undivided attention, like would have, I do think would have helped because like he gives you like, you know, there's like the vanilla sky problem, right? Of like super over explaining everything. And in this movie, like it, it does give you everything, but just barely. And like, you've got to be on the ball and, and, and it could just be a case of like, there's some stuff I missed at the very beginning of the movie before I was like, Oh crap, I have to put subtitles on. And like, I probably just got lucky that I didn't miss some key line of dialogue that would have, you know, thrown me off for the rest of the movie. So it's, it's, Mm. Yeah, it's a movie you can't really miss any of it, or you yeah. might have missed the most important part. Yeah, like one one other thing that I'll say, and we can maybe talk about it after the episode's over. You can explain a little bit of it to me, Paul, because I I do like I think I understood most of it, but I do still have some points like like you were saying, Willie, where it's kind of like I'm not quite sure, especially early in the movie, because I was so like, what is going on with like w- like with the mechanics of how this world works and inversion works? I felt like I missed like part like i missed parts of like how is he getting from point a to point b to point c in the plot like how mm-hmm. is how is the protagonist like why is he going here and then what did they say that made him go to this place next and then why is he doing that and i think they explain it but again only just like like one line that like brings him to the next like clue basically or you know the next point in the uh in the plot um and yeah, I, I think, you know, that is a reason why I probably will end up watching this again also so that knowing knowing exactly where this is going, that I can appreciate a little more of like, how does he get there in the first place? You have to if you want to appreciate this the first time you watch it, you actually have to kind of work hard. Yes, yes. I think that's true. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what he wanted. Like, I, I, I think that's the movie he I, wanted. That's to make. why I think he's fucking pompous. Like. <laughs> Fuck you for making me work hard while watching a two and a half hour movie. Like, make me work hard for 90 minutes, all right? Give me eight minute abs. Don't give me nine minute abs, bitch. You know? Number two, what I'll say is like, look, no matter which way you bake it, time travel movies can be inherently difficult to understand on their own. Yes. Even when you get smashed over the head with like 
like Back to the Future shit. Well, it still can get a little confusing. No, that's totally true because there's no consistent way that time travel needs to work. And you have to figure, not only do you have to figure out what's going on, but you have to say, how does this movie treat time travel? And that's like a whole other puzzle you have to solve. Right. Um, right. So right. It's like a so we second went, order he, problem. I mean, I think he just took it to the nth degree by making it, giving you like just enough information that you have to be on your game paying attention to everything probably with subtitles on and then chucking in time travel yeah. and then you have to figure out how time travel works in this world it was it was too yeah. much i, I will like, say this but i watching this movie i understand better how i will say this i understand how this movie treats time travel better than i understand how avengers endgame treats time travel which i still fucking um struggle with um well of, 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 of avengers endgame i think like has like a bit of an op I don't know if it's an opposite problem, but like it's funny you mentioned that because I was totally going to bring up Avengers Endgame as a movie that takes great pains to try to explain how its time travel works. Like in 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 as much as they have multiple characters talk about like Back to the Future and like things that you could do there, and then basically Hulk has to explain why that why time travel doesn't work that way. In other words, in that movie, uh, why time travel doesn't work that way. But the issue is that I don't feel like in Endgame, which is a movie I love, by the way, but, like, I I feel like in Endgame, like, they aren't consistent enough with it. Like, like they, exactly. they end up creating a bunch of plot holes with within their own definition. Like, their definition is fine. Like, like their definition is more or less, like, you go, you go back in time, you have now created, like, a branching universe, more or less, I think. Although there's some... There, there's, there's, there's a bit of uh, ambiguity even between writers right, and... But- but just to say that, like, I, we don't have to, like, get off and do Avengers Endgame. But the one thing I will say about it is, if that's true... How does Cap then, come back at the end? Is and that, then why, that, but why, does he even, why does he even go, bother to go back and return the stones? Because he's just creating another alternate reality where he's returned the... Like, he hasn't solved the problem. Like, he hasn't fixed the reality where he took the stones from. He's, by their own definition, he's created a third reality where he's returned them. The original people he fucked are still fucked. Right, um, right. So, so, so another, uh, so like an, an another way that they said it was like, like I think some of the writers, like the screenwriters, said that the the new reality is only created when someone uses the stones. But like that was a little bit like uses all of them or like one of them yeah, or what? what? And yeah, and and then my other thing is like once you've created a branching reality, when you go back in time, like what are you going? Like how do you know you're going back to that reality? You now have two realities where. Right. Like you, have the, I mean, you have your own reality where the stone always existed and the other reality where you took the stone away, right? And it's like you have to rea- return it to that reality. How do you know to do that? How does that quantum thing work that you can, like his, his the thing that Tony Stark built or whatever, like it can do that? Like right. it the, never said anything about that. Right. Somebody asked, um, somebody asked JJ, I think it was JJ Abrams once, like in Star Trek, like how fast do the ships fly or something like that? Like how do you know how fast the ships fly? They, they, they fly at the speed of plot. Like they they things take as long as they need to. Right. And I feel like in Endgame, like, that's how time travel works. It works right. the, the way that best serves the plot, which is not internally consistent, which is why it's hard to understand, I think. Right, right. Um, but, that's like, but that's like kind They're, of okay because like Avengers Endgame, while it uses time travel, is not really a time travel movie. Like it, it is not a right. movie where the time travel is the point of the movie. Right. The point of the okay. movie is to end these people's contracts. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. What are we watching next time? Anybody? Which time travel uh, movie? <laughs> Molly's Game. Ah, uh, my favorite time travel movie. A time travel poker movie. That's right.
All right, so we're watching Molly's game, 2017. You guys have never seen it. I've seen it. It's quite good. All right. <laughs> Spoilers. Expectations are set high. <laughs> well, I, at one point, I had in mind that I would give a top 10 movies you should watch while locked in quarantine list. I was going to ask you guys to do this, and this was on my list. Okay. So okay. I'm glad you, you two haven't seen it. Um, and it's about a woman who starts an underground poker ring. All right. Sounds Looking good to forward me. to it. Until then, you can send us emails at... Um, well, can you send us emails? Do we ever test that? <laughs> you, you can send us emails and we might get them. I don't know. <laughs> What's but the I email mean, address? You guys looked at me like, oh, is he going to get it? <laughs> yeah. yeah nope. I, I, don't, I don't know. it. What is it's, it? It's, it's talk to podflix <laughs> at gmail.com. Talk to the hands. The rest of it. <laughs> yes. Talk to podflix. You can find our uh, Twitter at podflix, right? Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs>